You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, there's the music. That means it's time for Animal Talk. Some of the best doggone pet people on the planet helping with your pets. That's, that's what we're here to do. My name is Jamie Flanagan. Just making sure everybody has a good time. And it is a Rewind Wednesday. That's right. We're going to go uh, back in time to the archives of Animal Talk. We've been doing this, oh my goodness, for uh, a long time. We were on uh, terrestrial radio for forever and ever, about uh, 15 years which is pretty much forever and ever in radio. And uh, lots of uh, old interviews that uh, are just kind of sitting in a box. So we figured we'd dust them off and and share them with you. Just some interesting people. Uh, Today on our Animal Talk Rewind, it's going to be George Plimpton. He is an author, uh, participatory journalist is what he calls himself. And uh, George sadly passed away in uh, 2003, like about three years after we did this interview. But uh, just a pretty phenomenal guy. Just love his voice. Just witty, funny, hilarious. And uh, it was such an honor to have him on the show. Something we didn't know about him when we had him on the show, because <laughs> crappy and didn't do enough research, is, uh, well, he went to Harvard, and uh, he, but he was a, a college buddy of uh, Bobby Kennedy. So when uh, Bobby was uh, campaigning for presidency, he was out and about, and uh, he was there at the Ambassador Hotel when uh, Bobby Kennedy got shot. And uh, as Sirhan Sirhan ran through the kitchen, Rosie Greer and George Plimpton and one other guy uh, wrestled Sirhan Sirhan to the ground. So he was one of the guys that uh, wrestled uh, Sirhan Sirhan to the ground after uh, Bobby Kennedy got shot. So it's just, uh, I've always found that to be absolutely uh, fascinating. We didn't get into that in the interview. Um, figured that out after the fact. He's uh, a pretty amazing guy, though. He's uh, wrote a book called The Paper Lion. They turned that into a movie. He spent a season with the Detroit Lions, and uh, they turned it into a movie with Alan Alda. But he wrote a book about a vet, so we're going to have him on the show to, to talk about that book. On this episode of the Animal Talk Rewind, you're going to hear my boy Brian Donovan, myself, uh, Mark Hannes, and uh, our resident vet at the time. Dr. Trish Matson. So uh, the four of us are there having a good time, and uh, it's the Animal Talk Rewind with George Plimpton on Animal Talk. Got a great show for you today. We're going to be having Mr. George Plimpton, and he has a whacked out book dealing with crazy letters to veterinarians. This should be interesting. Dr. Trish, do you get crazy people who come to you in your practice? Yes. <laughs> you, you get all sorts good, good of weird. Good kind of crazy, but Yeah, yes. yeah, sure. That, that, that Nice stuff. Good mm-hmm. kind of crazy. And, of course, uh, in the second hour, we're going to have Ron Tremper, Lizard Rancher. Ronald's Roaches. That's right. And he also um, breeds Madagascar hissing cockroaches. And with breeding these hissing cockroaches... He allows you to buy 20 of them for $20, and he'll mail them anywhere in the country to anybody. And next... The question is why. Well, next well, okay. next husband has got your backs. Landlord problems. Noble causes in mind when they buy these things, do they? You got it. I mean, your boss has been giving you a hard time. Okay. You know, Mark Elsager on the way out, you know. <laughs> yeah, Trish is quitting her job. She's going to be a loafer. That's right. Couch potato. Mm-hmm. Going to work for the Humane Society. We're going to do something that's yes. never been done in radio. Uh, Trish and I have agreed to do the whole show holding hands. Aww. Aww. How sweet. Yeah. 
What up, Brian? Well, we uh, we have that caller poll today. Uh-oh, here's the caller poll. Caller poll question is, are you in favor of breed bands? Uh, are you in favor of exotic animal bands? And, and this has been sparked because last week we had a woman who called in. Her name is Teresa, and she is a proponent of owning wolf dogs and wolves. And we got into a bit of a disagreement, and uh, I guess it's time to explore that a little bit more. And we invite all those people who are out there to call who are wolf dog owners. Uh, this could also, though, expand to something like pit bulls, because there's been a lot of stories in the news lately about pit bulls attacking children and people. I, I You know, large snakes. What if you're a, a Burmese python owner, reticulated python, rock pythons? Should those be included in the band? What about venomous animals? It's a good what question. about mother-in-law? Should they be banned? And it's a good day to talk about it, too, because we have some very prestigious birthdays today. And they are? Uh, Confucius was born today at, in, at, uh, in 551 B.C., uh, Mother Teresa, and Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman. Okay. <laughs> Interesting mix. There, oh, that, that just <laughs> hurts to put those together. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. I, I just want to be sitting on the other side of the room when the lightning bolt from Mother Teresa <laughs> comes down, putting her in the same breath with B.B. Herman. Uh, I don't know, Brian. Anyway. All right. But right now we're going to do a tricky trivia. It's being sponsored by the Saltwater Test Kits from Red Sea Fish Farms. All right, Brian Donovan, tell us how this works. All right, Mark the Animal Hannes is going to pose an animal-related question to our listening audience. If you know the answer or you think you do, Pick up the phone and dial. If you're correct, you win prizes. There you go. For your pet. All right, here we go. Actually, you know, I did three of them today. I couldn't decide on which one, so I'm going to come up with three trivia questions Do today. they have to answer all three? No, just answer any one of them. What the heck? Okay. What is a pregnant goldfish called? Besides pregnant. Uh, what is the only cat in the world that cannot retract its claws? Hmm. And the I, I had a, a girlfriend once that uh, couldn't retract her claws. No, uh, gotcha. <laughs> I, I don't even want to know. <laughs> what is the unique metabolic response that hippopotamuses have when they're angry? A unique metabolic response that hippopotamuses have when they're angry is it? Is it hippopotami? Hippopotami. Yeah. Hippopotamuses or hippopotamus? <laughs> Hippos have when they're. <laughs> Brian Pete has done it again. What'd they do this time? Well, um, Mayor Giuliani, who we all know of New York... Oh, I read about this. ...has prostate cancer, and they've come up with a picture of him, and they put it on a (laughs) billboard that says, got prostate cancer with him with a milk mustache. It says, drinking milk contributes to prostate cancer with their website on it. And And Mayor Giuliani is thinking about suing them. I mean, well, you know should. they did it so that we'd talk about it on the he radio, should. and everybody else would. Now, Dr. Trish feels differently. She's a left-wing wacko. But be- right, but I think that's in bad taste. It is. Yeah. It, it is. But, and uh, they're like little kids. Right. They, they get attention by, to injury. by uh, right. acting out. And, mm-hmm. that's, um, and of course, we're, we're paying it some And we're doing exactly homage. what they want. We're right, right there. We're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> they have succeeded. We've been co-opted. I even know it and doing it on purpose, but I can't help it. it, it this just, you know, the, the whole thing with... Uh, Having the uh, doing the um, you know the lost kids thing with milk cartons and having mm-hmm. having the college kids you know milk sucks drink beer right just um, is there even oh, is there even a correlation between uh, milk consumption and prostate cancer or is that something that uh, they just I'm not an expert but some people feel that dairy products may 
be linked to cancers. I mean, so, it's, it's a more natural approach because if you think about it, um, humans are the only species that drink milk after infancy. And, and based on that, it's a, it uh, contributes to prostate cancer? Is that the argument? Well, I think there have been studies that have shown links between dairy products and an increased risk. Don't, don't quote me on that. But, you, I mean, I have some, you know, since I'm a left-wing wacko, I have read some alternative <laughs> press. Isn't, isn't there I'm not some, real current uh, on it, but isn't, isn't there some legal... cultures that eat less dairy will show less cancers, I think. But then again, it's kind of where you live, yeah, too. Yeah. Like what you're in, what's indigenous to your area. But when you gotcha. assert a scientific claim like this, uh, isn't there a responsibility or legal liability that's involved with that? I mean, you can't just yes. tell people that... Yes, but uh, they, they, they may be able to back it up. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. But still, I, I mean, okay, let's say there is. Why don't you do a public public service campaign? Right. Why and, attack somebody personally? And not pick somebody who has cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, my mother passed away from cancer. Mm-hmm. That's just cruel. And, and you it know. is. It's a bad time in their life anyway. Yeah. So. Exactly. You know. It's not like he's Mister Nice Guy, but. Oh, Giuliani's one of the <laughs> yeah. greatest mayors that the city yeah, of New York's ever seen. He yeah. is. Oh, let's stop it. <laughs> you, <laughs> but you know what I you mean. You say that as a left wing. I'm uh-huh. amazed. I'm absolutely amazed. <laughs> Mark, Mark, Brian, and Dr. Trish are here to take your calls, courtesy of the Fishmade Pond Pumps and Filters. Hey, uh, Jamie, is that uh, puberty thing kicking <laughs> in? What's going on? It's kicking in big time. <laughs> well, you ought to be happy. Man, you got that little croak there going, huh, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, it's a little rough at first, but then you kind of figure out what it's all about. <laughs> your body's going through changes yeah. now. And <laughs> in just a couple moments, we're going to be talking to Mr. George Plimpton, the man who has done everything. <laughs> and then some. And his new book, Pet Peeves, or Whatever Happened to Dr. Roth. What is his title, Ruff. anyways? Okay, gotcha. uh, he's done a little bit of everything. He, he certainly has. He certainly has. He's lived the life of... Uh, a lot of people would like to do the things that he's done, yeah. but what what does he call himself? Does anyone know? I guess we'll have to ask him when we we'll get him on. But first, got to answer. finish answering that um, uh, Question number question. one. Uh, what do you call yourself? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Though in Goodwill Hunting, okay. he played George Plimpton, and boy, did he do it well. All right. Uh, my name yeah. is Jim O'Neill. I have a six-foot-long Burmese python. I'm uh, in the process of getting him a female. I want to know if I should quarantine her for a while, and if so, how long? Also, if she is smaller, will he hurt a smaller snake if they're, a snake if they're put together? <laughs> <laughs> Come here, baby. Um, yeah. Yes, it's always a good idea to quarantine any new reptile um, that you add to your collection, or a fish for that matter, if you're going to add it to your aquarium. They can bring parasitical diseases, um, bring st- nasty nematodes in, and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's a good idea to uh, deparatize them. Did I say that right, Dr. Trish? It works. Deparatiz- yeah. Get rid of the parasites. <laughs> yeah, we say deworm, which isn't really yeah. much more correct. How do you yeah. deworm so. a snake? <laughs> it's, that, it's that long plunger thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, actually, you just blew the name of the product out of my... Panicure is usually right. one of the best mm-hmm. things you use. Thank you. I said, man, I was gone. But anyway... Um, <laughs> which is fenbendazole. Yes, yes, definitely. If you care. Yes, I, I did, as a matter of fact. <laughs> okay, I, yeah. I, I really cared. But quarantine the snake, um, it's always better to have a larger female than a smaller uh, smaller than near male um, because uh, females can be a little bit aggressive uh, during the courtship ritual. Same thing. So, so you want a larger female. And a smaller male. Plus, it ends up making the male a little bit more um, aggressive. Really? Oh, yeah. 
Yep, because he feels reason. he has more to prove or something. And plus, a, uh, a, sli- <laughs> a slightly Small smaller man male tends to be a little bit more energetic in his uh, pursuit of the female. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, now that's uh, opposite it's of most small snake syndrome. <laughs> most animals in nature, <laughs> particularly uh, uh, mammals. Mammals, the male is usually larger. Yes, but uh, reptiles. In, in, in the sna- well, in the snake world, the female <clears throat> snakes are almost always larger. Um, in the lizard world, it's reversed. The males are larger and the females are smaller. But snakes, well, same thing with frogs. Amphibians, uh, females larger, right? Much larger. Yeah. Okay, much larger. So, there you go. There is your answer. But why do you want to breed Burmese pythons? There's a lot of them out there. Get into something that's a little bit more uh, more readily wanted as a new snake. Besides that, you want a snake that gets 22 feet long, he can kill you. That's, well, anyway. Brian, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, the book is called Pet Peeves. It's a brilliantly constructed, goofy mystery story in which readers are invited to figure out exactly what has happened to Dr. Roth, a pet problem advice columnist and veterinarian who was found missing from his office. The book consists of a series of letters written to Dr. Roth in which increasingly bizarre problems are recounted. Among the problematic pets described is a dog who seems intent on being human, hmm, an alligator who seems to be starting her own alligator farm in her owner's basement, and a Ooh, frog baby. who appears to long to be kissed. I think these are all from Dr. Brad Davis. I think, I think so. <laughs> I, think, I think he spent some time in Garden I think City. So, yeah. Yeah. Our guest is George Plimpton. How are you today? Great pleasure to be with you. Um, okay, so what do you call yourself? Did you hear me? Um, you, uh, you've done a little bit of everything. And well, most people think it's called, uh, what I do is called participatory journalist, uh, journalism. So it means that you, um, as a journalist, which I am, you, you uh, participate in um, sports, particularly in my case, um, trying out for a football team, the Detroit Lions in my case, to write about what it's like to be in the interior of these uh, great professional teams. And some people call it uh, call me a professional amateur, or sometimes an amateur <laughs> professional. So any of those three, I think, would be correct. People call us that, too, but we didn't know it was a compliment. Uh, okay, now, participatory journalism, is that something that you just have fun with, or do you find it necessary to, uh, uh, to I guess, um, envelop yourself in, the, uh, in, a, in a character or in a situation that you're well, going to write I, about? Well, I, I try to do it very seriously because um, it's playing out a daydream, I think, uh, I think James Thurber, the humorist, once said that 95% uh, of American males uh, put themselves to sleep at night striking out the batting order of the, of the New York Yankees. <laughs> uh, and so what I do is to play out that daydream. Of course, it doesn't turn out to be a pleasant daydream at all. It's a nightmare <laughs> uh, because there's a huge uh, abyss between being... Uh, between the amateur and the professional. Especially in a professional football when they're coming in at you at 350 pounds at about 80 miles an hour. Now, did you uh, neuter any animals in, in preparation for this book? <laughs> <laughs> I felt like it at times. <laughs> I have a mother-in-law who uh, just uh, uh, quite the, about two months ago... She needs to be neutered? We can handle that. Well, uh, I don't think you can handle that, but what she did was to, she went to the pound and, and fell in love with a, uh, a sort of a sheepdog I think it was, or looked like a sheepdog, and, and she bought it back, uh, and immediately, without her knowing it, uh, was pregnant and had three puppies. So um, I think she has some problem with what you've just asked me. <laughs> she now has four pets to take care of rather than one. Well, that, that kind of happened when I married my wife. I had her, and then I had her whole family. Just you know, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to watch what you pick up when you go to the pound. You never know. Oh boy, I hope my wife isn't listening. <laughs> my life isn't worth a plug nickel. Now, did you enlist the help of any uh, animal experts to to make sure your story sticks to the truth? 
Uh, no, I've not talked to anybody about this. <laughs> no, this is not. a novel, Brian. Well, uh, it... I used to, you know, on airplanes, I, with nothing better to do, I used to sit down and write these letters. I wrote really to amuse myself. As you were saying in the introduction, they're letters to a, um, uh, to a veterinarian who, whose um, offices are now deserted, and these letters are found crumpled on the floor, all from different people, perhaps, or maybe all by himself, or all by perhaps one person. That's the vague mystery in the book. But they're all they're all rather outrageous letters, as I'm sure you you know if you read any of them. <laughs> Most definitely. well, actually, I think Jamie is hoarding the book, and uh, we, he did not avail it to us. Uh, it's not uh, quite out yet. Oh, uh, well, so uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon. And oh, because you know all the George Clinton stuff. Well, it's not really out until October. I mean, yeah. you were jumping the gun terribly here. Right. I wish you, I wish well, you, you know what? Then we'll bring you, you back. back. We'll, we'll re-jump the gun. All right, I'll come back. I'd be, be delighted. <laughs> but on all the websites, you can place a pre-order, and, and it'll ship it as soon as it gets into... into Is that what happens? Yeah. So I take okay. back all the nasty things I said about you, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, because it was too much fun. So. Boy, that would have been really embarrassing if I said, Mr. Plimpton, I read the book, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> George, what I'd like to do is uh, hold on to the break when you come back, maybe to read a few excerpts for for us and uh, give us a uh, kind of a dramatic presentation of the crazy letters in your book. How's that? I'd be delighted. Excellent, excellent. And when we come back from the break, we'll have Mr. George Plimpton, a participatory journalist. Our professional amateur. An amateur professional, <laughs> professional amateur. You got all three right. <laughs> well, um, I even used a big word. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> we'll be back to read us some excerpts, and we'll be here to take your calls. This portion of the insanity is being sponsored by Instant Ocean Sea Salt. You can also check us out on the internet at www.animaltalkradio.com. Email us at questions at animaltalkradio.com. Listen to us on Yahoo Broadcast via animaltalkradio.com. I imagine I could say animaltalkradio.com one more time, not to be too redundant. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Now we're talking to Mr. George Plimpton who is about to read us some excerpts from his newest book. Mr. Plimpton, please take it away. <laughs> well, I, I should mention that this small book is um, illustrated by Ed Corrin, who does those wonderful fuzzy uh, animals uh, cartoons for the uh, New Yorker, and he illustrates some of these things. And once again, these are letters which are, uh, which are an attempt to drive a veterinarian to derange him. Oh great! Yeah. Be, be sure, we got to get a copy. People of that. do that without even trying. <laughs> okay, so let's let's get the premise of this. The uh, the vet has turned up missing. That's right. He's turned up missing, and these letters are discovered on the floor of his office. Okay. Nobody knows where he's gone or what's happened to him. And you're supposed to be able to tell through these letters uh, what has happened to him. Uh, here's a typical letter: Dear Doctor Ralph, I have purchased an attack dog who has been trained to attack at the command Wisconsin. Since we live in Wisconsin, the word comes up quite often, especially during the football season. Someone will say, next weekend we're going to the Wisconsin-Purdue game, and the dog goes into a frenzy and attacks. Do you know of any way we can deactivate Wisconsin from this dog's neural code, or should we move to Alabama? Signed, perplexed. George, are you sure you haven't been listening to our show? <laughs> well, that's an interesting question. I, I'm sort of interested to know, can you deactivate... Uh, a dog's neural code. 
Sure you can. It's called a brick. <laughs> but that's it. That's uh, the easy. Use a brick. What? <laughs> Just a pinch between your cheek and gums. Whack. Well, the, ahead, the ease at which that is done is uh, inversely proportional to um, how long the command has been instilled in the dog's behavior patterns. Oh, I see. In other words, what? Uh, the, long, the longer he's had the command, the more difficult it is to... Uh, <laughs> Switch it. And especially when he's been heard Wisconsin for the past three years every other day. <laughs> so they should just move to Alabama. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think move to Alabama is the answer, don't you? Yes. Oh, let's, yeah. hear, let's hear another one, George. These are great. <laughs> uh, dear Dr. Rob, some years ago I, I, I bought a small grayish uh, fish, rather nondescript but interesting looking, to put in my fish tank. He has been growing slowly but alarmingly. Last year, after increasing large tanks, I moved him out of the house into the swimming pool. He cruises around his fin, showing just above the water. <laughs> you think I've done something rather silly? <laughs> oh. Okay, now when you now, how many letters are there? Oh, there are about uh, I think seventy or eighty of these things. And and uh, if you somebody who can who can think through this, this is this is supposed to guide you to the uh, the mis- this, to solve the mystery. Yeah, and there are three possibilities. Well, I won't tell you what. One of them is that he wrote them to himself. Right. The other that. Um, that there really are people out there who, or perhaps someone who he'd mistreated in some way, or mistreated the, uh, the uh, some, some of the letters are rather angry letters. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you uh, don't need to mistreat them to get letters uh, like that. <laughs> here, here's one. Uh, Dear Dr. Ralph, I'm the one who wrote you about the dog that lived in the hen house and wouldn't come out. You recommended I sell the dog. I did so, leaving me without a dog. I wrote to ask you what to do then, and you suggested I get another dog. So I did, and when we got home, the dog went right into the hen house. It turns out I bought the same dog I had before. <laughs> so much for your suggestion. Thanks, but no thanks. Um, <laughs> Here's uh, another one. Um, <laughs> dear Dr. Ralph, my cat has the habit of sleeping on my chest, his face about an inch from mine. And I'm told this is not uncommon since cats like to feel the breath on their whiskers which is why one must be careful about cats getting into cribs and suffocating children. My problem is that my cat weighs 45 pounds, and his breath carries the strong smell of the docks. I'm having nightmares in which I'm on a fishing trawler being tossed about in a big storm. Do you think this means my cat has affection for me, or is he trying to suffocate me while I sleep? So I'm worried. Uh, the cat's uh, gunning for you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this will give you a sense of what you know. The guy with his... and some of these, some of these things, uh, some of these letters go on. Remember the one I wrote you about the fish? Yes. Oh, yeah. I wrote Doctor Ralph about the fish. Here's another letter uh, along in the book somewhere. Dear Doctor Ralph, my husband wrote to you some time ago about a fish in his tank, which kept growing until he had to move it into the swimming pool. I'm writing because he has disappeared, and I keep wondering which her advice to him was. <laughs> in the meantime, I also keep wondering about the fish, which has become so large it can barely make a turn at the end of the pool. <laughs> so I'm worried. <laughs> well, you know what? The guy with the cat could solve it if he just met the guy with the fish. <laughs> he could take care of that problem. <laughs> uh, and also, some of these letters about, um, are about people who have been fooled with the pets that they've uh, purchased. Such um, as? Here's one. Um, Dear Dr. Ralph, you'll never guess what kind of pets I have. Falcons. Last week I bought a pair from an Amir at the airport. He had them on his arm. They came with these little hoods on. He told me that once you take the hoods off, they fly off your arm and stoop. I think that was the word. 
on rabbits and hares and gazelles, although we don't have the latter two species in Wilton, Connecticut. <laughs> but we do have rabbits galore, so I thought falcons would be just a thing. But when I took the falcons out onto the lawn in front of the house and took their hoods off, they stared at me reproachfully. They didn't budge. When I pointed out the, falc the rabbits eating the roses at the edge of the lawn, they gave not the slightest notice. Is there a command you give the falcon when you take the hood off, such as fetch? I tried that, but it didn't work. My neighbor came by the other day and said, that's a nice pair of Rhode Island Reds you've got there. <laughs> Why are they wearing those little caps? <laughs> you think the Amir got away with something? I'm beginning to wonder. <laughs> well, I, I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm going to buy the book. When's it come out? October? <laughs> October. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, we'll have to uh, put a, uh, a link on our website to one of the uh, places that are on the Internet that have your book for sale. Well, maybe George, I should advertise. I've never heard so many advertisements in my life as well on that program. <laughs> <laughs> we can wait here and have a drink and uh, go off and uh, play a game of pool and then come back. <laughs> well, it's, it's our job to sell as many pet products as we can because pet people need stuff. And these uh, complaints about ads have been brought to you by George Plimpton. Yeah. <laughs> New book is Pet Peeves. Maybe some of your advertisers would like to include this book along with a box of bird seeds. This is an instructional booklet, pamphlet. Yeah, and have a Pepsi Cola while you're reading it. <laughs> George, thank you so much for being with us. We really do appreciate it. What we'd like to do is... Uh, have you back on maybe in uh, October, the end of October, sometime in November, to have you back on to? Uh, oh, it'd be a great privilege. Sounds like great fun. It does sound like fun. I've been listening to not only the ads but to uh, what you were saying before I came on. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> we forgot what we we're saying already, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I particularly want to talk to the to the to the boa constrictor person because some of these letters are about. And then one of the one of the clues actually is about a boa constrictor who swallows a pig, <laughs> <laughs> and the pig is taken out by the veterinarian and recovers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love it. George Plimpton, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us, George. Great pleasure. And Bye. you're listening to Mark, Brian, and Dr. Trish here on the Animal Talk Radio Network. Pet Warehouse's Animal Talk is being brought to you today by Midwest Homes for Pets. We got those uh, trivia questions hanging out there, and uh, one of the prizes you can win if you have dogs are Taz and Tweety dog cookies today. <laughs> so uh, here's the three trivia questions. What is a pregnant goldfish called? Mom. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Don't use that one. Hint. <laughs> what is the only cat in the world that can't retract his claws? Besides Brian's dates. Well, what is the crazy. unique metabolic response that a hippopotamus has when he's angry? 1-800-PET-1886. Answer one of these prizes. We'll send you out something for either your dog, cat, fish, bird, reptile. If you don't have an animal, call in anyway. We'll find something for you. You never know. We, we can reach into our bag of prizes and set you up. All right, this Doggy Doo is being sponsored by the Wiggly Giggle Ball from Multipet International. Today's Doggy Doo is a response to an interesting email I received over the week, and it starts off, uh, Dear Animal Talk, I have always believed that we should allow pet people to compete in confirmation in a neutered or premier class, like the cat people do. 
It could be run something like this. In the premier classes in the cat world, both sexes are shown together under the same standards that whole animals are judged by. So I would not separate the classes by sex. Only colors and coat types uh, for other breeds that have them uh, should be separated. And she goes on to uh, actually lay out a whole system of competition. And here was my response. Hello, I like your ideas, and I think it would definitely broaden the interest in uh, dog shows. However, this would be a paradigm shift, and such a change would undoubtedly be met with resistance. Confirmation showing is steeped in tradition. Originally, dogs were intended to be shown in confirmation for the purpose of identifying the best of the best and ideally use these dogs to breed so the next generation could benefit from superior genetic material, thus improving the breed. There's really no good reason not to implement an idea like yours, but I'm sure many dog show people will find an argument against it. You might want to try to get an audience with some of your local breed clubs and present your system. You've got nothing to lose, and you might just create a groundswell of support. Uh, and on the phone now, we actually have the author of that email. Hello, uh, Lorraine. Hello. How, how are you? How are you doing? Pretty good. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, like I said, uh, there, there's no good reason not to change, but it's, it's kind of like you know the, uh, the pattern of a keyboard, a typing keyboard. It's not in alphabetical order because of uh, an antiquated uh, uh, manual typewriters. Um, they actually had to slow the typist down. So that we've never gotten around to making it alphabetical just because it's a different paradigm. <laughs> so what makes you think your idea is going to be implemented? Because it seems like you have a lot of enthusiasm for this. Well, I have a lot of enthusiasm for it, many reasons. Um, there is not enough show homes for the puppies that are born today, and a lot of good show dogs go into pet homes, and they're neutered and spayed. And the pet owner feels like they can't do anything with the animal except to be a companion. And there's plenty of people that want to show but they don't want to breed. And the cat world has been doing this for many, many years. It would be a good outlet for pet people. And what it also would do would probably prevent a lot of people from breeding dogs who probably shouldn't because they're not into a bettering the breed, those kind of things, but they want to show dogs so they feel it, that it's required that they become a breeder as well. Exactly, exactly. And I think the AKC should get behind this idea. Uh, one of the ideas that started this whole thing was uh, an article that AKC had written in the Gazette about the uh, fall off of, of pet people registering their dogs and trying to get them to register their puppies. And people are saying, why should I? I'm not, I can't show it. I can't breed it. So why should I register the dog? And when we know that the AKC loses revenue, they start thinking up ways to make more. <laughs> you think? Oh, gee whiz. I've never yeah. heard that. <laughs> you know, uh, Lorraine, for our listeners, um, confirmation showing is, of course, the... Uh, the ring in which dogs are compared to a standard of perfection for that breed. It's right. a beauty show. And dogs. in the rules, it's stated that the, a dog cannot be altered by uh, surgical means, which exactly. includes spaying and neutering. So the dogs are to be intact when they're shown. So you spay your dog, and uh, you cannot show your dog in confirmation currently. Right. Um, but but how, how many dogs have been altered, though, Lorraine? You, so, you know that they are. Excuse it, me, I didn't hear you. You know, a lot of dogs are altered. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, surgically. Oh, tails, sure. tails are nipped. And there's a lot of cheaters, yeah. yeah. Nudicles, and there's all kind of things that go on. Yeah, yeah. Yay, right. uh, nudicles. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and a breeder, a breeder standpoint, which is what I am. Um, oh, you are a breeder? Yes, I am. I've, I've been breeding Yorkshire Terriers since 1983. Then I don't think I have to tell you, you're going to have some people who are going to hate you for this, right? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think from a breeder standpoint, Because you've it seen what's happened be, to the breed. It would be... Very good to promote the breed. 
uh, we could then place nice quality stock in novices' hands right, right. without the fear of them breeding wrong, selling the puppies, and the puppies landing up in puppy mill places. And it would be, you know, good for me to see my stock showcased out there in the ring. But what, what I really would like to see with the premier class is the judging, as it's done in the cat ring, where the dog is critiqued, starting with four, first, fourth place up to first, the judge stating why they're making the placements. It would be a good education tool to show people how the dog meets the standard, where it falls short, and it would be a proving ground for people who really want to get into breeding later on to start working with the dogs before they actually start breeding live animals. Well, you've got this really, really figured out well. Yes. Lorraine, that, that's, I, I want to tell you how much we appreciate you calling in tonight and uh, following up with this. We, we need to keep in contact, Lorraine. This may be something that we can hear at Animal Talk and maybe start a little groundswell of, because the more people that you get involved in making a breed better and, and improving upon that standard, the better off the whole dog community is, and maybe we can cut down a lot of these unwanted dogs that end up in shelters and end up euthanized. Yes, that's that's my main point. <laughs> Lorraine, yes. thank you very much. You're uh, welcome. How wonderful. Thanks for calling. Thank you. And you're listening to the Animal Talk Radio Network. Man, uh-huh. you know, Brian, last uh, last week we had um, Teresa call in, who is a proponent of owning wolf dogs. Yeah. And I've been bombarded with emails and everything else this week uh, via AnimalTalkRadio.com. They were going to call in and take exception to us. and Well, I'll tell you what, it's, it's real simple. Now, uh, this argument breaks down into a bunch of anecdotal stuff. You hear yes. uh, this uh, wolf dog got its uh, confirmation or its uh, obedience title. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, we've been, the, the domestication process is not perfect, but it's the best way to ensure that you're going to have a stable animal that can live in a family situation. Correct. Uh, we still have problems with dogs. You know, just, just because of uh, too much breeding, you have problems with Dalmatians. Uh, Cocker Spaniels. All the dogs that have been real popular suffer from uh, um, genetic problems due to overbreeding, right? Now, if we have this kind of problem with domestic dogs, dogs that have been domesticated for thousands and thousands of years, why do we want to outcross to the uh, to wild dogs and 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 start the whole? process over all over again. why are you guys laughing at me <laughs> no i said dr joanne said dr dean had circumcisions we have wolf dogs sorry well hey they, we gotta do your what stance, we gotta do man <laughs> fighting the good fight the reality is is that there's statistics out there that um that are from the um the humane society that says a wolf dog per three hundred thousand dogs compared to dom- all other breeds of domesticated dogs, are 11 times more li- likely to be involved in a fatal attack. That statistic... That's good enough for me. Yeah. That's telling good statistics. For me. And they even say that wolf dogs in, uh, in most situations are not a problem, but... But... That but yeah. <laughs> is a loaded gun. But <laughs> is a loaded gun. <laughs> That's a quote of the week. Huh? <laughs> There's a soundbite for you. <laughs> Oh, and there you go. That is uh, Rewind, Animal Talk. We got to uh, talk to George Plimpton, truly uh, one of the highlights of uh, my radio career. The guy is just, uh, he was great. So that was uh, fun. We appreciate you being here and uh, checking in with Animal Talk. Uh, We're always back with more. So uh, we will be back again. Uh, But, oh, hey, we can't leave without uh, having a, a little bit of fun first, right? Who's that? 
Time for a bad animal joke. It's time for the bad animal joke of the week. <laughs> All right, here we go. Bad animal joke of the week. What is a cat's favorite breakfast? It's mice krispies. There you go. They're bad. That's the point. It is uh, Dad Joke Central. That is what those are. Oh, all right. So follow us uh, on all the social medias. It's uh, AnimalTalkRadio.com, the website, AnimalTalkRadio.com, and then Animal Talk Radio, Twitter, uh, Facebook, MySpace, <laughs> Instagram, uh, Snapchat, they're, they're all out there. And uh, check out the uh, Man Cave Happy Hour, uh, another show that uh, Brian and I do here on Podcast D- Detroit, along with our friend Matt Fox. So another show to uh, check out. We uh, have one craft cocktail and one cigar and break it down with someone who actually knows what they're talking about and then have some fun along the way. And uh, so, yeah, the Man Cave Happy Hour. Check that out, mancavehappyhour.com, animaltalkradio.com. Once again... Uh, Thanks for being with us. Have an exotic week and kiss your wild thing for me.